Hi, this is Pam Electric Ghost. This is uh, Sex with Roller Coasters. Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? So, um, good, man. How about you? Good. I'm just going to do a little brief intro. This is the Fan Electric Ghost Show. and We interview indie artists from around the world. Today, we have Sex with Roller Coasters on. And um, we've been interviewing folks who are indie artists uh, all around the world since uh, 2017. And um, we're excited to have Sex with Roller Coasters on. So let's uh, start yeah. talking about what you do. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> so, so can you give uh, your your name and who who you are in the band? Uh, my name is Steve. I sing and play guitar. I'm Dave. I play the drums. Okay. I'm Alex. So I play the bass and do some backup vocals. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's everybody, everybody that's talking tonight. Oh uh, yeah. Well, this is it. We're a three piece band. That's cool. All right. So um. Let me. You guys got the questions I sent you, right? Uh, I don't think we did. Oh, okay. Well, I can walk through it. So, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So, so when did you first get into music, and at what age? Each, each of you can kind of go through it. Ugh. Um, probably the same story for all of us. I think we all played in like the high school band. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Elementary school. Um, so we, I started playing music at like 11. Yeah, I was probably like 12 or 13 or so. I think I was about 13. Yeah, like like 12, average age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we just kind of went from there. We morphed into, as like we, our interest grew into rock and roll and stuff, We I started playing guitar, Alex started playing guitar, and then I think he switched to bass. That's and uh, Dave's always played drums. That's cool. So, like, so you've been working on music since you were like early teens oh yeah yeah we've been we've been playing music for a while so when did you actually become sex with roller coasters or maybe you want to talk about the evolution of how you got to be that that name (laughs) i'm sure you had other bands before that but maybe you want to talk about that um not too many surprisingly uh me and dave are brothers we've been playing music since we started playing music uh, and we've obviously been in bands. Uh, Sex Roller Coasters, we started in 2006. Uh, we had a different bassist at the time. And uh, Alex joined us right around um, 2014, I think, uh, when we recorded our our second album. And uh, we're currently working on our third. That's cool. So when you put together records, how are you doing that? Are you doing like a home studio or are you going into a real production studio are you using like a digital audio workstation or are you using, you know, like, um, uh, our, our first two, we recorded, uh, at our friend's studio. It's not like a high end thing. It's just something he was running, uh, out of his house. Yeah. He, he had some pretty decent equipment. Uh, this new one, we're trying to do, uh, 100% by ourselves mm-hmm. just as like a, a personal challenge type thing. So like, like just for example, like I have a home studio and I use like a zoom, R16, R24s, and then I've got like Yamaha mixers and hardware synths, and I don't really use a DAW. So when you, right. since you guys are guitarists, are you guys just using like a soundboard directly to a digital tape, or are you going into Pro Tools or FL Studio? Are you using a DAW, or are you? How are you? Yeah, we're we're using uh we're we're doing it digitally. Uh, we have like a Focusrite uh 2i2, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, a lot of, uh, surprisingly, my, my amps, like, uh, got USB capabilities, and we're, cool. we're using all different types of 
tricks and stuff. Are you trying to mic the amps or are you totally going to USB? Um, we, we did both. We have a, we had a direct in and then we also, um, mic'd them and then we're kind of using a blend of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of personally like the direct in for like the clean sound. Yeah. It's yeah. like super crisp, but I, I like the mics better for distortion. Yeah. More room they, yeah. If you're using like a tube amp and you're trying to catch that feedback or that heavy power cord. For sure. Yeah. yeah mic in an amp kind of good. Then you mic the drums and stuff too. Or you, yes. Yeah, totally like the drum. So are you using kind of like preamped and pro, you know, signal processors or different types of things? Uh, nah, nah, we unfortunately don't have that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everybody always wants that's the dream, you know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> to, to get like a Neve, I don't know if you guys know about Neve, like Neve board capabilities. There's, no, there's a guy named I don't know anything about that. Robert Neve was the guy who built this awesome analog soundboard, and it was used for like Tom Petty damn the torpedoes um the the um it was used for like rumors from Fleetwood Mac a lot right a, a lot of really awesome recording Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters actually went and found it found this kneeboard sitting in a studio called Sound City and did the whole documentary about it oh yeah i heard about that yeah so Rupert Neve is like <laughs> it's kind of like Robert Moog or or like you know, the guy, the guy that created like the Gibson guitar, you know, he, like, he was a genius when it comes to soundboards. And I guess there's, he's making modules now that are more affordable, that you can get pieces of that analog signal processing. Um, right. And it's really good for mics and guitars and drums and all kinds of cool stuff. Just, just something right on. pretty cool. But um, so what are your influences? And can people kind of hear your reference points? Maybe you could point them out. Like in your music, do you do you, um, you want to go into that or? Sure, yeah. Uh, we we're very widely influenced. Um, I'm personally more a, a fan of of modern music, but I also like older stuff. I like stuff that's challenging to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess more popular things that I personally like would be like the Flaming Lips. Oh, cool. um, yeah, yeah. I I like that they're psychedelic, but they're also got like a pop mm-hmm. tinge to them. And uh, we, we kind of do that, too. Um, people tell us that we sound like all these different bands. I don't necessarily agree. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we, you know, we, we got so – you can hear, like, Weezer in, in our sound. You But, yeah, I don't know, tons of different stuff. Yeah. Um, so when you say challenging, would that mean, like, progressive rock or just psychedelic rock? Or what, when you mean challenging, what do you mean? Um, I just like people pers- – this is me personally. I know these guys listen to different stuff than me. But uh, I, I like stuff that's, like, almost hard to listen to. Uh, I was okay. a big fan of Bjork's latest oh, record. That was yeah. crazy. Um, but, yeah, just stuff like that, you know, stuff Okay, so would you think, like, like uh, Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground, would you consider that something hard to listen to? <laughs> <laughs> well, he had that one record that was all, like, feedback. So. Yeah, yeah. White, <laughs> that's, was, that's a little too much yeah, for me, but, yeah, yeah it, I like the it, idea. His classic crazy album was white light white heat and the whole thing is this fuzz tone for like the 20 minutes right yeah <laughs> yeah and it was it, it's a totally avant-garde crazy record you know and yeah. then you know if you get real avant-garde i don't know if you ever got into this um big star third i don't know if you ever heard no. of big star big no, star big star was the band that had alex choden and alex choden is like a real famous uh guitar player and singer from the late 60s 70s he was right. in a band called the Box Tops, and he's famous for this song called The Letter. He was a teen star, 
And then he decided he wanted to make an American version of the Beatles. And he created this band, but it was on Stax. And Stax was an R&B label, so he didn't know how to distribute it. And if you ever go check Rolling Stone or in magazine, like Big Star did like three albums that are like five-star albums in the 70s that went nowhere. They're kind of like a Velvet Underground. But they created know, like a power pop that was kind of Beatlesque and kind of like Bad Finger. So if you know about Bad Finger, was like a clone to the Beatles that came from the Beatles themselves. And, yeah. and then, but Big Star is, is an American band with about the Southern rockers. They're trying to sound British. <laughs> and Alex Chilton had this awesome voice and there was this guy named Chris Bell who was this engineer that was like a, like a George Martin he was like a brilliant guitar player and engineer and so if you listen to their record there's one called the number one record and uh, Radio City and then their, their most famous record called Third and Third is a lot like uh, like Neil Young's Tonight's The Night it's kind of like this album that's falling apart like the band is breaking up it's falling apart it's very avant-garde but, it's, awesome. listen, cool. but it, it's very listenable because it actually kind of predates um, what you would call uh, alternative music, right? So right. this kind of predates Smash and Pumpkins, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, all these classes, you know, like R.E.M. It kind of created, and if you had listened to guys like the guy like Peter Buck and Michael Stipe, uh, you know, the guy, uh, um, Paul Westerberg, Bob Mould, they all cite Big Star as a big influence as an American rock band, so you might want to check them out. Oh, cool. I'll have to check it out. So so your writing style and your genre, you would say, what, like alternative or, you know, given that rock bands are kind of not not that as big as they used to be, so what would you say your genre is? Because it used to be like college radio, alternative, grunge, you know, straight rock. What would you call um, yeah, I guess we would call it like like alternative or like like the college rock of the mid '90s, like influenced, I guess, like yeah, like replacements and Weezer and bands like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So you talked about like you know recording at home or recording at your friend, uh, like doing it. So you, when you record, are you recording like in a basement or a garage or like your bedroom and like what? How? how... Uh, this new album, we did a mix of all of it. Uh, we recorded it, like, the drums, like, in our basement. A lot yeah. of the guitars were, like, in our various bedrooms. Mm-hmm. And we would just, like, uh, put it all on a hard drive and pass it back and forth, kind of. That's cool. Yeah, because I was wondering, because I've collaborated. It's so cool today. I collaborated. I live in New Hampshire, and I collaborated with this, um, this, this woman who is an actress in Los Angeles. And we did a whole record. We never even met each other. And we did awesome. it all by exchanging files on Google Drive. And I would take a file and dump it into my Zoom R24 and then run, you know, digital effects on it or all kinds of processing and run my Moog, run it through my Moog. And I'm, right a, I'm a big, like, analog guy because I've got all these, like, neural racks and Moogs and stuff like that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just so, so when you think about doing your music, have you thought about introducing like Euroracks or sampling, or you guys are at, like, or, or synth or any kind of electronic stuff into your music, or you're just like straight rock. You're not going to do that kind of mixture of bringing um, things in. When we play live, uh, we usually just play with the rock and roll instruments, instruments just because um, it's really hard to transport all that stuff to a lot of the places that we play. Yeah, yeah. Um, but our recordings, we kind of just go ham 
with with everything uh we'll lay down the track with the rock and roll instruments and then uh you know we'll 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 put on all sorts of crazy effects we'll we'll do uh synthesizers and and we've, we've even sampled like little audio clips and stuff okay so you're not opposed to like doing doing like not straight dead on like four-piece rock band like no, bass, not bass guitar. Don't do, you're talking about. So when you use the synths, are you using like soft synths through like like a digital audio workstation, or are you using like a real synth, like a Roland or a Moog or something? Um, a, a mixture of stuff. We've used everything from apps to like I have a micro Korg. We had we dumpster dove this weird piano that I don't know the name of. <laughs> uh, yeah, just tons and tons of stuff. That's cool. Yeah, because I think a lot of what you see today is like cross genre. Like you will see hip hop artists actually have live bands, yeah, with like real bass players and real guitarists and keyboardists, and then you see like rock bands will, will throw a DJ in, you know, or they'll throw or they'll throw like a, an electronic musician in with a euro rack and do all kinds of crazy sounds. So there's a lot right. of cross pollination. So have you guys thought about like collabing with like? like a digital artist or hip hop artist or a DJ. Have you ever thought about like doing some kind of weird collab like that? Uh, we would love to, uh, for this new record, we, we, we are asking uh, a couple people to, to join us on the tracks. Um, we just recorded a girl the other day who's going to be singing with us. Um, but yeah, we, we're not opposed to anything at all. Uh, we're cool. kind of, we're pretty free form dudes. Okay. So how many, how many like guests, um slots that you're gonna have like with different um vocalists on like your next record um probably th three i think on on a couple different tracks um that's yeah cool. i think three that's cool and so um like if you talk about like um your song the longing and the long division mm, yeah longing and long division yeah so can you kind of talk about like how that track came to be and like what's what's you know who, who's on it and what's going on with sure it? um that's just the three of us mm -hmm. uh it's actually kind of interesting um we um when our old bassist quit we were uh looking around for someone to join the band and uh that's one of the first things that we kind of jammed when uh when alex came mm -hmm. and uh that that's kind of how that song kind of took its form uh, it really doesn't have too many words. It's a very jammy song, and it's sort of just like the same riff, just evolving over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we were really trying to to jam, to, to like jam it out, and uh, that's kind of how it came to be in its format, at least. That's cool. Um, yeah. So that's that's a question I had with some people because, like, you know, when you talk to people when they write a song there's all different ways that it comes like do you guys typically you know do like a jam session and then pull a song out of a jam or does one of you actually have the full structure like developed and then you guys like add on to it or is it a combination of like what well, could be all those things happening all the time yeah it, it's all those things uh we like to jam before and after practice is just like a a warm-up type deal and sometimes we'll have really cool ideas and we'll try to flesh them out and other times I'll just be like in the shower or something and I'll be like, all right, I have a song and then I'll bring that to practice and we'll, we'll try to turn it into something. That's cool. So it's like, so as, as you guys are all guitar, bass player, drum, drummers, right? So guitar, bass, drum, right? Or did everybody yeah, play yeah. multiple? Do you guys play multiple instruments or do you guys like single instrument guys? Um, 
both me and Alex are pretty well versed in stuff. Dave plays the drums. He's pretty good at keyboards and stuff. Uh, okay. But yeah, we, we know our way around vaguely mm-hmm. around other stuff. That's cool. Because one of the things I, I well, I'm a keyboardist. So right. part, part of what I do is like, you know, when you're a keyboardist, you can kind of build the whole song. And, and when you have synth gear and, you know, recording gear, you can kind of like, I can build the bass line, I can do the drums, I can do all these things. And then I used to have a band and I would just present like what I thought the bass line should be. But then if a real bass player is going to take that and kind of like do an end twist on it or something, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> or, or do do like, yeah, you know, like the guys in Zeppelin, like, you know, he said, John Paul Jones, like you could, you, you know, Jimmy Page could write what he thinks the bass line could be, but John Paul Jones is going to really take it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that kind of what happens. Did some of you, do you guys like influence each other's parts or you kind of let like the guy who's on the bass decide that's what it should be? I mean, sometimes, most of the time, it's just a guitar part and I'll let them literally do whatever they think, He's gonna go you know, with whatever it. they see fit or, or Alex will come with like a cool bass riff and, you know, we'll work from there. We don't really like step into each other's territory too, too much. That's cool. Not like I could Pete Townsend. Have you heard stories about Pete Townsend where he would, he'd write the whole song, including right, yeah. like, the bass lines, everything. He'd do the vocals and then hand it to the band. And then he knew that Dolphy's going to do it different than him. You know, he knew yeah, he's going to take over and the drums are going to get blown out by Moon. Moon's going to really yeah. blow it out. But, but he, it, it was kind of confining sometimes because he built the structure and they kind of didn't let it go away from that structure. You know, he would let people interpret it and they did change it, but he didn't like let jam sessions happen as much like later right. in, in the in the history of the Who and it caused like a lot of fights. <laughs> yeah. Based on the history I've read. But um so do you guys you guys get along good, right? Because two brothers and then a, another member but I've heard like you know Oasis was the band of brothers. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean you guys do do you guys get friction? At all, ever? I mean, some bands never want to talk about it, but do you guys ever? No, not really, not at all. We're usually on the same page with pretty much everything. Uh, even if we have a stupid idea, we're all pretty like, yeah, no, that's let's do that, and uh, collectively learn not to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you guys? Uh, what do you guys like uh, thoughts on like the future of music and where things are going, like regarding rock? And I've heard a lot of bands. Like I've talked to a lot of DJs and electronic musicians that always go and say, well, rock's dead. And I don't exactly believe that because I think what happens, like commercial rock might be dead, but when you go on SoundCloud and you go on YouTube and you go on, you see all these, like there's tons of rock bands. It's just not getting, they're not getting the play they used to get, but there's a lot of rock bands out there. And the genre is not dead. It's, just, it's not getting, I think bands that should be being paid attention to are not being paid attention to. Uh, and that's the problem. Um, and so, like young bands like yourself should be getting pushed more. And but you know, people think it doesn't exist. What What are your thoughts? Um, I mean, like I slightly agree. However, I think like everything has its time. Like I think rock, like more rock based music will come back within time. And maybe like right now it's more electronic, but in three or four years, you know. It'll be bad. You know, I think everything comes in cycles because in the 80s, a lot of electronic music was popular again. Cycled back to more rock and roll based in the early 90s. And then I just think everything goes in cycles. So eventually, I think more rock based music will be popular again. 
Yeah, I think that's kind of like what's going on. Like as an electronic musician, I'm excited because you know what happened. Like like when grunge came, like Moog and uh, Profit, the big companies that made sense during the new wave, they died. They they just totally died. And all you saw were like the Pearl Jam, Nirvana, you know, Alice in Chains, you know, Stone Temple Pilots. They had this whole like grunge movement, and it was a rejection of like synth kind of just got pushed that yeah. down. Now, because of EDM and DJs and whatever, Moog, you know, the companies that invented the synthesizer came back to life. They're totally back to life. They're building all their synths again. Profit, that built the Profit 5, which was real heavy in the new wave. You know, Devo and all these big band dudes, they, they came back. Like all the big synth companies, like even Mellotron, that made these big synths that the Beatles used, came back. So it, it's weird that all these synth companies that went out of business actually are 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 back and making synth even better than what was in, in, in the height of the new wave. Um, which is yeah, cool. I think I think it's really cool that things go in waves like that. You know. Yeah, it's cool to be able to. You don't have to go to a to a to a an old pawn shop and find a Moog Model D. Huh. You can actually get a brand new Model D that like almost, you know, can be in some ways in good or better than the original from 72. Um, so it, what, what's interesting is like that the technology, you know, has brought these things back um, and they're actually, you know, very, very interesting to use. And they, there's a lot of, you know, co-mingling with a lot of things. Like I listen to bands like Radiohead and Wilco that kind of mix electronic with guitar. And, sure, yeah, and and that's kind of like I've always been hoping that the more bands try to go that direction. That you see what Radiohead does, and what Wilco does with electronic music. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a lot of multi multi genreism happening right now. People are are blending a lot of stuff. I think like there's that electronic alternative rock that's kind of going on. Yeah, you get a lot of bands doing that. There's some really good bands that have gone that direction. Um, Lately, well, you know, Nine Inch Nails did came back with a with a record, and they're kind of like the archetype of that, uh, right? Yeah, you know, Trent Reznor is like super well known for kind of, you know, pulling out the Moog and, and and making it sound like a guitar. You know, making making right. sense. I've always been very interested in guys that try to make sense, not just sound happy or or background, but push them to the front and make them very aggressive. Sure. You know, so that they can actually stand with like a punk band or an alternative band if you think about it not just be a background instrument but it's, right. it's the kind of way i like to look at it but um so what do you guys think about streaming services versus back in the day you know, where you'd actually get people to buy a cd um but now you have to you get your stuff on spotify but you only get paid like 0.06 of a penny for, <laughs> yeah. for, for a stream versus back in the day you know you, you do a cd people would actually buy the cd the only thing I see today is maybe vinyl. Like if you if you do vinyl, you you have diehard fans. People will actually buy vinyl. Um, sure. But but CDs are kind of like up in the air whether or not somebody's actually going to buy it. Uh, right. Yeah. Um. We we still make CDs. I think people really like, um, especially when they come see us and play shows or whatever. They really like having that sort of physical thing to hold. Okay. When they're listening to music, uh, I personally I like that music is the streaming services or whatever because it makes you accessible to people that normally wouldn't my only real issue is that because of that it's so hard to get people to listen to things that 
they don't normally do because I feel like they're just kind of going back to the same artists over and over again just because of how like flooded these streaming services are with content. Yeah, the one thing I think about the streaming services is because I'm a child of the 70s, right? And I'm, I'm an album-oriented guy. Sure. Right? And I think what happens with the streaming services is a lot of listeners, like modern listeners, don't seem to be used to listening to a full record at that concert. Right, absolutely. And, and like a lot of rock music and, you know, progressive synth music, you know, like bands like Yes, you know, bands like Styx, bands like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and Genesis. Those guys built albums that you're supposed to listen to the whole thing, right? But if right. you have a generation that all you listen to in the playlist and just have the top 10, then you never get into the, like, the intricacies of a song that's not supposed to be a top 10 song. It's part of, right. part of an album. It's part of a story. And so yeah. if, if you kind of reject being able to let artists do a story, then all you get are people trying to make hits, which gets boring. You know, I think, I, th- <laughs> I think, but, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we take a lot of time to like pick the order of the songs on our albums and, and we try to like transition all the songs into each other and, and sort of make it an experience. But uh, also we try to juggle the fact that you might be listening to a song at random. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to kind so, of deal like, with that. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're trying to like tread that middle ground a little bit. Yeah, because like if you build an album, like you, you do have like it seems like in hip hop people are are are, you know, like listen to like Butterfly from Kendrick Lamar. Don't listen to the whole sure. thing. So there are some right. cases where if you build a concept that's strong, you will get people to listen to the whole thing all the way through. It just seems like there is this whole kind of atmosphere of just doing singles, kind of like the 1950s. Like a lot of what's right. going on with Spotify is kind of like in the 50s, like. It, they weren't really albums. I mean, the albums came out, but they weren't that great. They weren't that strong. I mean, a lot of cases they were, you know, they were built around a bunch of singles, and then they got thrown together, and they didn't really have a concept. Um, and then we start getting bands like the Beatles actually define that, and then you start getting bands that really decide, okay, we're going to make an album that actually means right. something. Um, and I see a lot of bands still do it. It's just there. It's cool that you're what I've seen what you said is like if you do a show and your fan come to the show they like seeing the merch as your CD and t-shirts and stuff like that then that's where you can sell the CD right you know that or the vinyl that's where where that works so it's kind of at a micro level compared to what it would have been with a label putting out like a hundred thousand copies <laughs> you're, right. you're, you're bringing like a thousand copies or a hundred copies or 200 copies at a micro level compared right. to the way the industry used to be in the 70s where you had to flood the stores with it, you know, um, and have distribution through the record label is the only way you could really get out there. Um, so I think that's the advantage now that everybody kind of can get out there without a label. Um, so what, what do you think about that? I mean, like, would you want to be on a label? Do you want to be indie? Do you have an opinion about, like, what would you want a label to do for you and stuff like that? Um we don't really have strong opinions. We've always just kind of done stuff by ourselves. We never really looked towards getting a label for anything. We, mm-hmm. uh, we produce all of our records on our own. We do all of our own advertising, our own booking, our own, you know, literally yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, a lot of bands, um, you know, Pearl Jam went off the label, you know, Radiohead went off the label and like Wilco went off their label. So it's absolutely. like, like it's because the labels weren't really doing anything other than giving you like loans. 
and then telling right. you telling you that they're not going to give you any more money until you earn it back. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so I mean, even the bigger bigger bands start saying, "Well, I'm not playing that game anymore," uh, and so they're controlling their own destiny. You know, they're doing their own booking, kind of like all the low low indie bands are doing. The big bands are doing. Um, right. Yeah. Because because it's just like if you win, if you get a hit and you're indie. You don't have to sell a million records getting ten cents a record because you get a higher profit at a lower amount of volume. Absolutely. So a lot of bands have figured out like, well, if I can sell a hundred thousand or fifty thousand or thirty thousand, I don't need a label. I can make a lot of money at that level. Um, if they hit that, you know. So so it, it, that's what a lot of people don't realize. Like you can actually do pretty well hitting under fifty thousand records, you know, as an indie band. You know, um, if if you work it out right, so that's what, yeah. You know, I think there's an advantage as an indie band that you can sort of make those things like on demand rather than have like two thousand albums that are sitting on shelves. You can make two hundred for two hundred people that want to buy yeah that album, and if the more people come, then you can order yeah. You, know, you can ramp more. up yeah. You can ramp, but you don't Absolutely. have to have that supply. But I'm well, what I'm saying, I have seen indie band, you know. Like Sun Kill Moon is like an indie guy, right? He he had you know maybe hit thirty forty thousand a year of a total sales. Yeah. But he tours the world and he may, he can make a living. He doesn't have right. to hit. So he, like if you live on that kind of level, you can be an active artist making money without you know the label would tell you what they would drop you. You know. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you wouldn't even be able to stay on the label; they would kick you off. And so that's cool that you know people were able to keep on going in this new world where you don't have to prove to the A&R guys, you're going to hit 500,000 records. Well, you know, maybe one time you'll do that. And then yeah. usually that's what happens. Like one time you hit that big number and then you never hit it again. It's very rare. Right. And so if the record company, then they just drop people, you know, instead of building an audience like the Grateful Dead, you know, like the way the dead did it, they built an audience and they just toured real heavy. And then the people just went to see them, you know, Absolutely. And I mean, the Pearl Jam kind of operates like that. Um, and so I think a lot of indie bands kind of, that's their, their model. Like you find your fan base, you, you go to where, you know, you, you do what they want, they kind of like, you find that kind of sweet spot and you just keep on going. But what, what do you guys think um, about like the future of where you're going to go with the band? Have you got like ideas to tour and to do other things? Um, we don't... Yeah, we would like, as soon as we're done this record, which we should have out in the late fall-ish area, hopefully, barring that nothing explodes, uh, we'd like to start playing shows. Uh, we're going to play a ton around our area. We're, we're local to Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And and hopefully, you know, uh, all up and down the East Coast, at least, we'll uh, we'll see where we go from there. <laughs> so do you guys use uh, the, the services that are out there? For, for booking or you found ways to book without using those services that I can mention or not mention? <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. Um, we do it mostly ourselves. Um, a lot of times with the out of town shows and stuff, like we'll find other uh, like-minded artists on like maybe like Instagram or, or Facebook or, or even oh, Spotify cool. or something. And then we'll link up with them and be like, Oh, like we'll host a show with you guys in Philadelphia and you, you know, hook us up with a show in your town or whatever, and we'll just like trade that way. Both of us benefit, you know. 
and then you can build relationships that way and and share you know fans and 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 things like that so as as a rock band do you guys have your own um like like uh back line i mean do you guys bring up your own amps and stuff or do you use this like like the actual venue amp um system um it like it varies um we have all of our stuff we kind of like prefer to use our stuff but uh, a lot of times we'll play like basement like basements and like little college clubs and and things like that where there's not enough room to have three or four drum sets so a lot of times the venue will like kind of be like oh you have to use our stuff kind of just there's just not enough room to store all the gear mm-hmm. but for amps and stuff you have you bring your own amps and your own like yeah. sound, sound stuff mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah a lot of our sound comes from like our pedal boards and stuff like that That's cool. so we have like everything pretty much pre-programmed on our pedals and stuff you bring your own mics like when you're singing or do you depend on the house mics um, we usually just use the house mics because we don't have anything too special, but we we have all of our own stuff. But that's for the cool. most part, we use the house mics. Yeah, that's cool. So, I mean, I've, what I've run into is, like, uh, there's so many bands. Well, you, cause you guys are rock band. They, they at least understand that you've got equipment. Um, yeah. Sometimes when you're an electronic band, everybody assumes you can just do it on a laptop. Right. And, and I'm a keyboardist, so I have road cases of, with synths. Yeah. <laughs> they're not, they're not, and then people think I can just come in with a laptop and, like, no, I'm actually playing keyboard. <laughs> so I actually have as, almost as much equipment as a four piece band. You know, it takes like a U haul to bring it in because I've got oh, all, wow. this, all this stuff and I've got road cases and everything for it. And I've had like, like clubs get confused thinking, like, well, how much time do you need to set up? I'm like, well, like 20 minutes. They're like, why? Because it's not just a laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's just like setting up. Because I'm I'm a one man band, but I have a bass signal, I have drum signals, and they're all coming from machines. They're not coming mm-hmm. from like laptops. They're coming from Moog. They're coming from Roland. They're coming from Profits. So these things are all stacked up, and I control them with pedals and all kinds of devices and sequencers and stuff. And it's not all, you know, it's not coming from some laptop. I go on and on, but like I get places that are like, "Oh, can you just get everything off stage in like five minutes?" Like, no. <laughs> yeah, especially you know, with only one person too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I bring a roadie. I'll bring a roadie. But even with a roadie, man, I gotta put the stuff back in the cases. It's like, is it because there's so many people who can just come up with a pioneer DJ system and just throw it on a table and then they can take it off the table and it's like easy. Um, yeah. To move to move that compared to setting up a Moog and a Roland and a, and a, and a Yamaha's and mixers and sequencers and samplers. And like, it's not what you would think. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm setting up kind of like what you'd see back in the day, what Genesis or Sticks or any of those guys would have. Cause I'm kind of an old school guy. I want to, I want to bring that to people, what that used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and people don't realize I'm a big proponent. Like synths can be very aggressive, kind of like what Trent does, Trent Reznor. I think it's yeah. a good example. The Inch Nails, the go if you see their show, they got a lot of stuff on the stage. So it's, that's the kind of idea that I'm going with. So it's kind of like similar to a rock band. And I've always tried to explain to people, and like you know, they don't always get it because they get confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With the way DJs are today, they think everything like electronic is a DJ, and and that's kind of like. Not do a good service to if you're an electronic musician, there's a little bit of a difference. 
So, yeah. do you guys have like videos on uh, YouTube that maybe you can send me a link if you've got stuff like up when we put this podcast out? Yeah, yeah. Um, we have I don't know, what like four, three or four or five or something. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, maybe have, yeah, maybe send me the links of yeah, yeah, just send me the links of the one dude want to push that go with this because I have a blogger page where I'll push this out. And today, uh, my podcast now is available on Spotify. Awesome. So, Family Electric Ghost, when we push this out, it will be on Spotify. Awesome. Um, so. Yeah, so it's on multiple, like Anchor publishes this on their platform. And right. on their platform, they allow you to include songs from Spotify or Apple Music. So okay. I can actually include like Longing and Long Division, Who the Hell is Nicholas McKay, Why Can't I Fly or Love Stain or Melodramaton. <laughs> I can. Yeah, Melodramaton, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dramaton, yeah. I can include those as part of this podcast. One thing is though the anchor exclusive version allows those songs to be segments. Sure. Uh, when it goes out to the other platforms like Spotify and Apple Music, sometimes those segments don't stay there because they're like publishing rights and stuff. Right. For some reason, which I right. don't know. But but hopefully Spotify they would stay there. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's the first time we've tried it. <laughs> yeah, we would think that those links would still remain there, bro. Which, it's cool that this goes out, and I'll give you the link, and I can give you an embed link as well, so you can actually put this on any website you you run. Yeah, definitely. Embed. So yeah, it's just it's interesting um, to to be able to talk to to a band, a rock band, because I think the last rock band I talked to was early this year. The two punk rockers from uh, London. All right. Muted. They're two brothers. They kind of sound like Green Day. Yeah. <laughs> they have a they have a Green Day kind of Sex Pistols vibe. Sure. And that was, that was pretty cool. And they got the British heavy accent. <laughs> yeah, they were pretty cool. So I you're only sec the second rock band I've talked to. Um, oh, well, right on. <laughs> that's cool. So I'm always trying to. I get a lot of DJs. I get a lot of EDM. I get a lot of uh, women pop singers. Right. That want want to push their their stuff, and that's cool. But I'm a big rock fan, so I like hearing, you know, talking to bands. They're, rock bands have a lot in common with what I actually do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's what's kind of cool to talk to guys who actually still play instruments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, kind of a, it's kind of a rare thing today. Cause have, do you find that, like, that people, um, some of the people in your generation, do they get the fact that you guys, like, are musicians? Or what do they think about you guys playing guitar compared to like the people who do rap and stuff? Do they have opinions? You could, because the um, way kids are today. Uh, where where we're local too, it's kind of like you're either a, a, a some sort of artist or you're not. There's a large group of people that literally don't do anything, and you have to like convince them to come out and check you out or whatever. But a lot of people that even people in the rap scene often like double in in bands and stuff. Uh, oh, the, cool. the music out here is is pretty like intermingled. Intermingled, uh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've, run, cool yeah I've, I've heard a lot of kids that they, they 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 lost the ability, at least like where I'm coming from, in this part of the Northeast, where they right. kind of lost the ability to like play instruments, and and they they spend a lot of time in FL Studio or Pro Tools, and <laughs> they're and they're good at what they do. You can right. be a musician using those tools, but yeah. I still like to see a guy playing a bass or 
guy playing a real drum or like playing a Moog or a Hammond organ, because there's something about like if you go on stage and you're actually playing notes on a physical instrument. Yeah. That yeah, a DJ can do some cool stuff, and a, and a rapper can do some cool stuff with the, like an MPC or something. But there's nothing like seeing a real band. You know, to me, that at the end of the day, that that's a musician playing an instrument. Yeah, and there's a difference, and 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 I think there's always going to be people that want to do that. And it's cool to see you guys are still carrying that tradition. That's cool. That's <laughs> true. That's, that's awesome. Just keep on doing it. Keep on rocking in the free world. If you we'll know. try. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm going to push this out. I'm going to let you guys know when it's available. Okay. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to tell your fans about anything you're doing in, that they would be interested in? Uh, Well, we have a show coming up this Saturday uh, that you can check us out on our Facebook on our Instagram, all that stuff. And uh, just stay tuned for our record. We're still working on it. It'll be out, I promise. I know we've been taking forever. Okay. But, uh, like, I, I, what I always do is, like, if you have, when your record comes out, if you want to have a release conversation where you we talk in detail about your release and all the details of, of the whole album, if you want to do that, I, I'm open to that. If you guys want to push your push that out. Yeah, now sure. That, we can now that totally we're do on, something. Yeah, now that we're on Spotify, that might be useful. Um, yeah. So, okay, well, cool. So I, I, I look forward to how long do you think that's going to be when you have this new record? Is it a couple months or, or a month or two? Uh, yeah, we're hoping the end of, uh, I don't know, November, maybe. It, should be, it should be definitely out by the end of the year. End of the year, cool. Yeah, I look forward to talking to you guys when you have your new release. And just let me know, send, send me a little note on Instagram. Absolutely. And uh, we can do this again. Thank you. All right, man. Well, everybody, this was Sex with Roller Coasters, Bam Electric Ghost, and uh, support Sex with Roller Coasters on all the streaming services. And if you see them in a show, you know, buy their record. <laughs> yeah, buy thanks. Their, buy, their, buy, buy their merch, watch <laughs> their videos, like their videos, subscribe to their channels. Yes. You know, artists need support. So, yes. you know, that's what you need to do. If you like the, this band, show them that you like them. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thanks, man. Uh, thank you. Yeah, bye. Nice meeting you. Yeah, bye.